All right, let's pray. Uh, we thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence, your indwelling presence in us, Lord, but also your manifest presence among us. Father, we thank you. Wow, what a, what a wonderful time of just gathering in your presence, Lord. What, an, what a privilege that we have to come before you and to sing out and declare who you are, Lord. And we know when we do that, Lord, that you are glorified in that, Lord, but we are changed. That It shifts us, Lord. And, and Father, as I, as I come to share, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll give me the words to speak Lord, but also that you will give us hearts to receive, open ears to hear, eyes to see spiritually, Lord, what you're doing, God, because that's our heart's desire, is not just to, to, to do stuff for the sake of doing stuff, not just to go through any sort of religious rhythms, Lord. We want to hear what you're saying, and we want to be part of what you're doing, Lord, and we know that you're doing a great work in this church. We know you're doing a great work in this city and beyond, Lord, right across this nation and the nations, Lord. You have never stopped working, Father. But Lord, we want to partner in with what you're doing. We want to be in the river that is flowing, Lord. So we bless you, Father. We love you. And we thank you for this time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. So we are in our, uh, our kind of vision series, really outlining where we feel like God is leading us in this next season. Uh, and we, we talked, uh, I spoke last week, kind of, we did, a, we did a where have we come from, kind of where are we going, big picture. And uh, we were going to go, okay, let's get into the first pillar. And then we thought, actually, maybe it's good to, to ask the question, well, where are we now? Uh, as, a, as a community, because we don't want to think, oh, yeah, cool, we'll just get on and do stuff. We actually need to take stock. Well, where are we now as a community? And so as we look at these four kind of pillars of our mission, uh, a couple of things I want to say in, uh, in the, as a preamble. Uh, these aren't our core values. These are uh, pillars of the mission of what God is calling us to do. These aren't our core values. Our core values are something different, and we will get into that uh, in the weeks to come, talking about, well, what actually undergirds that? If you imagine these things as pillars, uh, what's the foundation that's underneath that? Well, that would be the values. That's the why of what we do. And it was beautiful this morning, um, Emily raised in our prayer time, you know, that we we're always need to come back to our first love. A lot of the songs that the guys picked just kind of melded into that, that if we don't love the Lord... And if we don't love people, then anything that we do for God will be distorted in some measure. So it's really important that as we hear these things, it's not just, okay, let's just run off and, and lose sight of God. No, no, we wanna, we're with God in this journey. We're with God in this purpose, and we want our hearts to be staying in that place of love and yieldedness to Him everywhere that we go. So that's one thing. And it's also not all that we're doing as a church. Like there are other things that... I might be involved in, you might be involved in, that don't kind of fit within these particular areas. They're pretty broad, but there might be things that, hey, I'm also involved in this. And, you know, I'm, I, I work at a school in, um, in success. And how, how does that relate? Well, it's, it doesn't have to mean oh, I've got to quit my job and move to Rockingham. Maybe you do. Um, but you don't have to do that because it's not, you know, God's going to lead you in every place. You might spend 40, 50 hours a week working up in the city. And God is intentionally part of that, and, and we want to develop you as disciples that you can be on mission in that place as well, but we feel like as a church family, here are the things that God is, is wanting us to focus in on and, and to start there. As I said, we, we can go after, have these big pictures, but if we're not doing it in the small, then what can we do? I even think back to Timothy and Titus where it speaks of the qualifications for an elder or a deacon in the church, and it comes back to 
personal. It comes back to their own family. Well, let's manage your family. Well, how can you manage the church, a church family if you can't manage your own family? <laughs> how can you uh, lead and, and, and help people to be in covenant uh, with one another and with the Lord if, if, you, if you're not in covenant within your own home and in your marriage and your spouse? So we, we see that we want to make sure we're, we're doing it at home before we do it out there, if that makes sense. Um, so... I'm part of, of leading um, and helping to establish an apostolic network right across our city. Uh, it's called the West Australian Coalition of Apostolic Leaders. And so I'm part of that. We've got a conference, co- conference coming up in a couple of weeks, a few weeks, six weeks, something like that. I'll let you know about that uh, next week probably. But, but I'm part of that. I'm, I'm part of different kind of wider networks and relationships. Uh, but for me, when it comes to my church family, which is our church family, uh, I want to partner in to see tangible breakthrough in people's lives. I want to see this community thriving. I want to see this city uh, thriving. So that's kind of what we're focusing in on. And obviously, as we do that, our expectation is the impact will be far greater and, have, and be much bigger in that. Everything that we do and establish as a church all the way along our journey, we've always had the perspective that whatever God gives us with, we want to give away. Yeah. So whatever God, whatever revelation we have, we want to, we want to give that away. So as we came across uh, the Elijah House training, we're like, cool. Well, yes, we want to train our people to, to minister to people's hearts. Um, but we also then go, but we could train many people to do that because we want the church in our city and, and beyond to be blessed. So understanding that everything we do is we discover ways of, of really healthily maturing disciples. We go, oh, cool, we could help other churches to do that. As we figure out, like, here's ways to have healthy church family. We can, we can give that away. As we see breakthrough in, in maybe in mental health for people, it's cool, we can, we can give that away. So we're constantly wanting to be in that space of how can we multiply, but we want to have something to give away. So that's where we're starting. Amen. So we thought for this week, well, let's kind of take an honest look at where we feel we are as a community and how much of these kind of four pillars are a part of our culture or that we've really kind of grasped and owned as a community. And so if you can put up the slide just with the four images, not the levels. Yeah, so these are the four uh, pillars of our mission kind of moving forward. These are things we've already been doing, but we're wanting to really focus in and hone in on these. So the first is making and maturing disciples of Jesus. The second is building a healthy church family. The third is transforming the city of Rockingham. And the fourth is covering the region. So the kind of southern corridor of of Perth, covering that region in prayer. So if you were to think of those things, maybe like as a barometer, we're thinking, is it a barometer? What are the levels? Um, But I like the the language of a barometer because it it measures the atmosphere, and so oh, it's kind of cool to think about what's the atmosphere in our community individually in our own hearts when it comes to these four areas. Is it something I'm like, yes, I'm for this, I'm on this journey? Or is it like, oh, wow, I don't even know if, if I'm really on that discipleship journey? And man, yes, you know, we, we might agree with, yes, we want a healthy church family, but it's also then going, but how much am I owning that and participating in that process of building healthy church families? Like, yeah, we want to cover the region in prayer. Awesome, we want to see the city of Rockingham transformed. So, but how much in me am I actually owning that and participating in, in whatever way God would have me to do that. So I'm wondering now, just take a moment and think of those things for yourself or even for our community where you would see those different levels to be. Just consider, yeah, how much of, of making and maturing disciples is, am I owning myself? Or the same with the church family, transforming the city, covering the region. So as a, as a leadership team, we were looking at these and we kind of came up with our own levels as to maybe where they're at. 
And again, it's not just what we're doing as, as a church, but it's also kind of what we're owning because we're doing lots of stuff. We're certainly making disciples. We're certainly pursuing having a healthy church family. We're certainly doing things in our city to see transformation, and we do cover the region in prayer. But these are kind of, if you put up the next slide, some, some levels around where we kind of feel like we might be sitting in those things. You might have a different perspective personally. Uh, you might have a different perspective across the church. And really, this is us just saying, hey, where are we at with really owning the making of disciples as a church community? It's like, hey, we're, maybe we're here. Maybe we're a bit more, a bit less. It's not really. It's just kind of a, uh, a thought process to say, hey, there's, there's, there's room for improvement in that. There's certainly room. Hey, we, we've got a healthy church family. We, we have a lot of uh, a culture and, and processes in place to help to develop that. But man, there's always more room for improvement. When it comes to the city, well, we do have a... a a homeless uh, support program for, for pregnant women in our, in our city. We've got a, an outreach to homeless people, providing food, a, a massive organization in the crew that's helping the city. But, but are we really owning that as our, core, as our shared mission? Are we really kind of taking that on board and saying, yeah, I'm, I'm part of that and I want to be involved in whatever way I can. I want to support that. And certainly I think there's more ownership that we can take. And the same when it comes to, to prayer for our region. And that also comes back to the personal side, like, well, how much am I praying, even for my family? How much am I praying myself and spending time with the Lord? How much am I partnering in to see, to see my church family blessed and to see the city transformed and to see the region covered? And so we say, cool, we want to we wanna move up from that. So the reason why we take stock is it's good <laughs> to kind of understand where you are. It's humbling, I think, and that's a wonderful, glorious thing. Don't ever shy away from humility. I really encourage you uh, to, to do that. But if we, if we have a starting point, then we can know this is where we can improve in those places. We don't want to come and just give you this uh, kind of trendy slogans around things, and go, yeah, we're all about this and all about that, and not actually go, well, if we take an honest kind of reflection, we're actually not doing great in that area. How can we improve? Um, so again, we're not, we're not seeking to be negative, but without a plan, we want, we're not going to see the change. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. All right. And without seeing the negative consequences of staying where we are, we can end up staying stuck in comfort and denial. So we can say, yeah, we're all about making disciples. Woo, awesome. Yeah, we're all about transforming the city. Great, great. Like, but are we actually doing that? And if we're like, actually, there's a whole lot more that we could be doing in those areas. If we don't actually take stock and, and, and are confronted by that, then we actually don't realize, wow, there's implications to that. And I can feel like, yeah, pat yourself on the back. We're all doing great. But if there's improvement that can happen, then it's like, then it actually has implications for what happens in the future. We can't take responsibility for other people's role in it, but we can take responsibility for ourselves. And that's really what we're asked to do. Even when it comes to making disciples transform, we can only do what we can do and take responsibility for that. When it comes to discipleship, I can't make you a disciple of Jesus, um, but I can equip you to be a disciple and to make disciples. I can, we can help you as a team, but at some point we've all got to make the choice ourselves to actually own that and to move forward. So if we look at the first one being the discipleship pillar, if we look at what are the implications if we don't 
make and mature disciples. If we just stay as we are, what are some of the implications for our church, family, and beyond if we don't do that? I'm wondering if you, if you want to throw out some before I share my thoughts. What are some implications? If we don't make and mature disciples, what can happen? Stagnant. People don't grow. People can fall away from God. Sorry? Complacency. A bunch of brats. Brads? Oh, T with a T, yeah, yeah. Pride. They will be discipled by something else. Brilliant. Yeah. Because that is a reality. We're all being informed by other people. Yeah. So you won't fulfill the Great Commission. You won't obey what God has called us to do, what Jesus has said. I mean, well, here's my list, what well, the, the team came up with. Obviously, the, the primary thing is that if we don't make and mature disciples, then people lack emotional spiritual and relational maturity, which then leads to a whole lot of implications. So if people are emotionally immature, spiritually immature, and relationally immature, then it has implications. Some of those are people live stuck. People stay stuck in their sin. They stay stuck in their pain. They stay stuck in addiction. They stay stuck in cycles of dysfunction. That's really tiring to live stuck in those places. And we don't want people to stay stuck in those places. People don't experience the fullness of God in their relationship with him. They actually get robbed of Jesus because they're like, well, I've, I've said yes to him in some part, but there's some blockages, some barriers, and then I don't actually get to experience the fullness of God. So then I'm robbed in my relationship with him. This then can lead to people walking away from Jesus. So, well, I tried Jesus and it was kind of like, ah, it didn't really work. And like I prayed one time, he didn't answer me. And I just, I'm just stuck in the same cycle over and over. And I'm just tired. I'm just tired of being confronted with my sin that never changes. And so I've got an option. Do I just keep being stuck in this horrible place filled with guilt and shame? Or do I actually just forget about it and move on? And I'm sure you can think of people that that's been their journey. I'm always reminded of a quote from G.K. Chesterton. And he says, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting, it has been found difficult and left untried. But oftentimes in Christianity, people try it and it's like, ah, oh, this is actually just difficult and hard and it's not what, when I came forward for prayer to give my life to Jesus and they talked about all these glorious, wonderful things and I've just faced hardship and nothing's really changed, so I don't know if it's actually really true. But that maybe is because someone didn't come alongside them and say, hey, let me help you to discover who Jesus is. Let me help you to, to grow. Let me help you to encounter him in a deeper measure. Not just that one time at an altar where you had this experience of God, but let me help you to live in that experience every day and form Jesus in you. It means less people get saved. Less people become followers of Jesus. And then the church shrinks, which is what is happening Across Western culture, the church is diminishing, it's shrinking. In Eastern cultures, oftentimes where there's persecution, which usually means as there's an increase in persecution, there's an increase in discipleship. 
Because people have got to choose, I'm really serious about this and I need Jesus. Jesus isn't like my tag along and I've got all my other things that keep me nice and comfortable and oh, I've got the comforter when I need him if things get really hard. But no, they, they only have the comforter in the Holy Spirit. So discipleship becomes a, a normal, natural part of their journey. People end up staying, staying spiritually blind. They impact others with their sin and they don't even know that they're sinning. They don't even know that they're doing it, which also then impacts family. People can't hear the voice of God. Maybe because they were never taught how to hear the voice of God or maybe because they've never overcome the blockages to that. So they actually don't know how to obey Him. The point of obedience, the end game of obedience is that you would obey everything that Jesus said. Not so that you would learn it. You can learn all of the, all of the commandments and Jesus is like, that's great. <laughs> I want you to obey them. But that takes a journey of discipleship. That's someone saying, I can help you to obey. Even the disciples said, Jesus, yeah, we, we know, we, know we, we get prayer. Teach us to pray. Teach us how to do it. That's what discipleship does. And ultimately, then God isn't glorified through his people and through his church, which is huge. We want God to be glorified. He deserves to be glorified. But you got the glorified risen Savior, then you got a whole bunch of people who are kind of camping around the foot of the cross, not really knowing what to do, not knowing where to go. They're big implications, would you say? Does anyone who want that? No, good. When, when we think of the, the family pillar, so what, is, what are the implications if we don't have a healthy church family? And obviously we say healthy church families are outside, it's not just our church community, but we want to take responsibility and say, well, well, we need to have a healthy church family. What are some of the impacts or implications? Well, it ends up there can be toxic relational dynamics between people. When we come into church family, we come in with all of our family history, and sometimes that culture isn't kingdom culture, it's just our family culture, and we can bring that in and it can cause dysfunction and disruption and brokenness in relationships. It can lead to division Dissension, dishonor amongst people. People can live in constant cycles of offendability. Even people then who go from one church to the next church to the next church, they never feel like they belong. And maybe that's because the church family isn't welcoming, welcoming them. Or maybe it's because they can't actually enter in because they're constantly offended with people as a protective mechanism to actually keep them out from connection and relationship. It can lead to performance orientation. So that's where people will perform in order to feel accepted. But they do that in their relationship with God. They do that in, in relationship with people. And the issue is it, it creates this idolization that people will give me what I need in my identity. That's making an idol out of somebody. And that which you idolize, you will eventually demonize. Because an idol will never satisfy. An idol will never form deep core identity. Only the Lord can do that. But we come into relationship with people and we put them on that pedestal and we think they will give me what my heart desires. They will give me what I need. And the problem is they constantly fail because people are not good at being God. I've discovered it. I've just... Revelation, breakthrough. There you go. Write that down. <laughs> it can lead to spiritual abuse where people get caught in these patterns and there's, there's control and manipulation and demand put upon people. It can lead to church splits. 
So church is breaking down. That's usually when it comes, it's a relational breakdown. That happens because it's not a healthy environment of communication and confrontation and dealing and processing those things. It can be avoidance and push it to the side, uh, just sweep it under the rug and hopefully it'll fix itself. It leads to people being fake, feeling unknown, wearing masks. So they come in, I'm like, cool, I'm not really connected here. It's unsafe people, or maybe because I feel it's unsafe, or they actually are unsafe, whatever it is. But then I'm like, so I have to just put on my mask. And I'm performance-oriented, because if I do the bad thing, I'm going to get punished and get cast out. And so I've got to do the right thing. But it means everyone starts to live fake. Everyone has to put on that mask. It can lead to clicks and loneliness. So it can lead to people just being insular and only caring about a select few people. So those who are in the clique feel really connected. Those who are outside feel really lonely. It can lead to high comfort, which leads to low impact. It's not the fullest expression of the nature of God to the world. I talked about that last week. The family of God. Jesus said, people will know you might have suffered by the way that you love one another. So if we're not loving well in the family then people aren't going to know that we belong to Jesus, so people aren't going to know Jesus. It's a big way that God has set up his church to function is that we would be an embodiment of him in the world, individually and corporately. And then the effectiveness of discipleship is impacted because it takes a family to raise a disciple. Now, it's really important to understand when we talk about discipleship, we're not talking about making disciples of people. I don't want you to emulate me, but as the Apostle Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ, there is a process in discipleship where we help others to encounter God. But some of that comes through understanding the Word of God, the Scripture. Some of that comes through individual encounter, prayer ministry, different things. Some of that comes through actually experiencing healthy relationship with people. I've shared this many times before. Someone might come in and they've got wounds around their their earthly father. And they might need some healing when it comes to that relationship and that history in order to have a healthy relationship with Father God. So there's a healing that happens, but some of that healing comes by just experiencing healthy, older male role models who love them and who don't demand of them or who don't control or manipulate them, who don't use and abuse them. And they go, oh, well... I, I, I get Father God and I've, I've restored that relationship here, but I get to experience it by the way that people loved me. Discipleship. So you're raising a good point. Is what's, what's first... The, the, the pillars aren't necessarily in order, um, and, so they, and they all work together. But it's a good point, yes. Yeah, so I'm not saying, oh, just do this. We want to we be covering the region in prayer while we're making and maturing disciples. Like both, uh, so this is not a, we're going to spend five years, you know, making mature disciples. Because the reality is we can't have mature disciples unless there's healthy church family. And you, and you can't be a disciple unless you're making disciples. And you can't, you're not going to cover the region in, in prayer unless you've got people who are maturing in prayer to be able to do that. So... Yeah, it's a great point, but it's, it's kind of the, all of them coming in together. Um, and this then leads to an unsafe environment for people to, to exist in. So for people to be 
disciple, to be challenged, to be encouraged, they need a safe environment that they can be vulnerable. All right, so if we move to the city pier, what does it look like? What are some of the implications if the city isn't transformed? And this is now looking outside of ourselves, outside of what we might experience, and thinking of other people, which is the core of of Jesus' message to us is to love your neighbor, love outside of yourself. Amen? Amen? So we will see few salvations, certainly fewer people coming to know the Lord. If we're not seeking the transformation of the city, even if we're just doing, hey, we can do discipleship and healthy family, get all, become all insular and kind of disconnect ourselves from the scary out there people, then the city starts to crumble. They've done kind of anecdotal studies in the US, in the, in the history of the rise of megachurches, in cities where there are these churches filled with thousands and thousands of people, the impact on the cities have, has actually decreased. So the cities are worse off than before these giant churches. I'm not saying it's, it's, they're directly related, but it just means you can have these great, all-encompassing church life experiences where every day there's an activity and there's a thing, but it's all kind of centered around me and what feeds me and what encourages me, what blesses me and what helps me. And then there's a city that's falling apart around us. We don't want to have that happen. So what are some of the implications? Few salvations, people will stay stuck in brokenness and addiction. There'll be homelessness and it'll increase divorce, poverty, absent parents and broken homes, so children not growing up in safe environments or separated from one or the other parent. It'll lead to poor mental health, so increased suicide, increase on people living dependent upon medication. There'll be more sickness. There'll be a lack of unity, not just amongst the churches, but amongst the people. Because to see a city transformed, it's not just the churches even being unified, it's the people being unified in the purposes of God. Whether or not they know God, they don't have to own, they don't have to know the name of Jesus to, be, to come under the culture of heaven and to participate with God in seeing transformation happen. Yeah cultural transformation. The city ultimately looks less like heaven, so the gates of hell prevail. Very interesting, uh, maybe I'll preach on it at some point, the, that whole gates of hell framework. Um, gates are also in, in the Bible and in kind of biblical times, the gates were the, the meeting place of a lot of what happened um, like socially, but uh, what's the word? like councils and legislatively and all of that sort of stuff. Often that's the place where decisions would be made. And uh, so it was a really important place, this, this section around the gates. So it's also to, to understand that it's a city-related thing. When we talk about the church rising up and the gates of hell not prevailing, it means the gates in every city not setting the culture of that city. And it's actually the church saying, no, we're going to set the culture but probably not in the way that we might think. It's not through dominance. It's not through saying, all right, council, We'll take back the reins and we're going to do all this stuff it's actually through serving, loving, humility. The crime rate will be higher. Abuse, violence and abortion will run rife. Ungodly laws will be passed. It'll create an unsafe place for people to live. There will be a lack of prosperity. So wealth will leave the city. This happens when, when there's a lack of prosperity, then businesses say, oh, this is not the place that I want to start my business. 
and actually wealth ends up leaving the city because they'll build a factory or they'll build a, a, new, a new warehouse, they'll build some industry outside and then that city loses all of the financial benefits that come from that. And ultimately lead to a lack of vision, hope and purpose for the people that live in that city. And finally, the region pillar What is the impact if the region isn't covered in prayer? There'll be greater spiritual oppression. Now, this is the thing when we talk about spiritual warfare and the air war and the ground war, all that sort of stuff. You don't need to be like a seer in the spirit. You don't need to be a high-level prophet to understand that sometimes, I don't know if you've ever driven into a city and you just go, oh, something just feels off here. And maybe you don't know what it is, particularly, oh, it just feels... Yuck, I don't want to be here. It feels dark or it just feels funky or it feels a bit weird. Like that's because there are principalities and powers, so spiritual entities that have authority over those places. And this is what can happen if we as the church, and the church broader than just Paradox Church, just stay kind of enclosed with our own things and we go, oh, cool. Well, the spiritual atmosphere in this building is nice. People come onto this property and they're like, wow, there's something about this place. It's like, cool, because there's been a lot of prayer, a lot of warfare, a lot of work to, to, to clear the atmosphere. But we don't just want it to be on this one 10-acre property in the middle. There's a lot more acres in this city than just, than just this little block of land. So there is something that we can actually actively shift this, the, that spiritual oppression and those things that are in authority over a city. There'll be less salvations, again, because people will be stuck under those kind of frameworks of thinking. There'll be less breakthrough. There'll be less impact on people and on the city. The work of mission for the church in a city will be much harder. It will be harder to break through. There'll be, even there can be opposition that's um, in the natural and in the spiritual. There can be high effort with low reward. So that sense of futility is like, yeah, man, we're investing so much and and we're doing all of this work, we're doing all of this activity and effort, but it's just not producing any fruit. The principalities and powers can remain, ungodly strongholds can remain in the city. We can get backlash and opposition. As I said, that can be spiritual and natural. So all of a sudden, the the council decides, I actually know we just want less churches. Churches are causing problems. We just want less churches in the city. And well, they don't allow churches to set up in particular places. or They don't allow maybe charities and different Christian-based organizations to, to develop in a city. And again, I'm not, that's not a consequence of the council per se. That's a consequence of what's happening in the spiritual atmosphere. It can lead to lifelessness, disunity, amongst the church and amongst people. It'll have a negative impact on the other three pillars. So it's harder to to see the city transformed. It's harder to form healthy church families. It's harder to make disciples when the spiritual atmosphere is oppressive. It'll impact generational fruitfulness. And it will lead to unfruitful land and hard ground where things aren't prosperous. There are, there are places that you go, even Israel would be an example because God's blessing is upon a people. But there are places like in the middle of a desert that becomes an oasis because people understand blessing, covenantal blessings. I could say a lot more about that, but we don't. So if we do nothing, we will get more of the same and worse. A passive church breeds demonic activity. A 
A passive church breathes demonic activity. When the church does nothing, the kingdom of darkness is increasing. The devil ain't waiting around for a battle. He's like, no, 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 they're moving forward. If the church is not advancing, then the kingdom of darkness will take that space. So if we're not filling the atmosphere in prayer and worship and, and, and dealing in however God leads us with those principalities and powers, demonic strongholds, then the atmosphere will stay the same, but it'll actually increase. But if we do something, imagine the impact that could be had. So say, oh, that looks, that looks dark, Brad. That looks, that's bad. That's all bad stuff. A lot of what I read, that's happening already. That's already happening. So forget about even the increase. It can look like, oh, those things, they're horrible. Oh, we wouldn't want those things to happen. They are happening every single day just in this city and in this region. And it will only increase if we stay passive about it. But imagine if we actually partnered with God to see those things come about, to see a shift, to see a change. I want to read out the opposite of that for you. But I'd love, if you want to, to join me in declaring this. I've written it specifically in sentences, but with the statement, will. Because I believe this is certainly God's desire. It's God's desire to make a mature disciples. It's God's desire to see his family blessed and fruitful and healthy. It's God's desire to see this city transformed. It's God's desire to see this region blessed and covered in intercession. So we all already know it's on God's heart. Amen? All right. It's nothing new to him. He's not surprised by that. But if we were to say, so if we give our yes and partner with God, if we are co-missionaries with Jesus on this, then we'll see the opposite happen. Because there's infinite power in God. There's infinite resource in God. But it's our partnership that matters. So I wonder if you would love to join me in declaring these things. So if we make and mature disciples, people living in freedom from endless cycles of dysfunction, they will live in freedom from those things. People will experience the fullness of God and will stay following Jesus, impacting and blessing many generations. Many people will be saved and become disciples of Jesus. Many will hear and obey their heavenly Father and experience the joy and fruit of obedience. God will be glorified in his people and his church. He will get the glory he deserves. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, if we have a healthy church family, if we pursue that, what's the outcome going to be? People will experience healthy, life-giving relationships. People will experience connection, unity, and honour, and will walk in freedom from offence. People will serve God from a place of freedom and be safe from spiritual abuse. The church will be unified in Christ, and people will live in the freedom of authenticity. People will be known and know that they belong to God and to his family. The high cost of investment will produce a high reward and impact. The fullness of God will be expressed through God's family and discipleship will be effective and holistic. 
if we pursue transforming this city, what is the fruit? Many people will be saved and will be freed from brokenness and addictions. The homeless will find homes and healthy community. Marriages will be healthy and will last, providing a safe place for children to be raised and to thrive. The people in this city will prosper. People will find healing for poor mental health and live free from the need for mind-altering medications. People will be healed physically, mentally, and emotionally. And the city will be unified in the purposes of God. Heaven will come to Rockingham and the gates of hell will not prevail against the work of God's church. The crime rate will drop, godly laws will be passed, and the streets will be restored to dwell in. The city will become prosperous and wealth and innovation will be drawn into the city. People will have vision, hope, and purpose in their lives and many lives will be saved. Amen? Amen. If we cover our region in prayer, if we take on that responsibility of covering our region and dealing with the spiritual atmosphere, there will be spiritual freedom in the atmosphere leading to breakthrough in cities and churches. The church will awaken from its slumber and will be effective to impact people and cities. There will be an ease in fulfilling the mission of God and we will see God's kingdom expand. There will be fruitfulness and abundance from the investment we make. Principalities and powers will be displaced and ungodly strongholds will be dismantled. God's people will be protected from backlash and opposition. Churches and cities will be unified in the purposes and plans of God. We will see mature disciples, healthy churches, and transformed cities. The ground will become fruitful and receptive, and the generations will be blessed. God's kingdom will come, and His will done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? It's going to take us and those who will join us to give our yes to God. Giving our yes to God that he would do that in our lives and through our lives and in this city. If you give your yes to God, you're giving your yes to be part of the solution. And I want us to be a church that lives on the solution side. We can acknowledge the problems, but we need to be focused on what are your solutions, God? And God has an endless, abundant resource of creativity to see endless breakthrough and transformation. I wonder if you'd join me in prayer. If you're able to stand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, what a glorious picture of what our lives, of what the church, of what this city, what this region could look like, Lord. And Lord, all it is is looking at, well, what's the brokenness look like and therefore, the opposite of, is what you desire. 
but it's not just what you desire, it's what you did, Jesus, when you, when you walked the earth. Brokenness didn't reign around you, Jesus. Poverty didn't reign around you, Lord, because you reigned. And Lord, our desire is that you would reign, that you would reign in our hearts, Lord, that you would be the king upon the throne of our hearts, Lord, that you would reign in this church, that you would be a king, the king upon the throne of this church, Lord. This is your church, God. We are your people. This is your church, Lord. Father, that you would reign in this city, Lord, that you would be the king upon the throne of this city, Lord that You would become the King upon the throne of this nation, Lord. That You'd be the King upon the throne of every nation, Jesus. Stir it up, Holy Spirit. We need You, Holy Spirit. We need You to awaken us, Holy Spirit. We say, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. Father, lead us into love, Lord. Lead us into a greater measure of love for You, a greater measure of love for Your people, Lord. We need You, Lord. We need You, Lord. We need You, Lord. And Father, I thank You that there's no shame from You for wherever we're at, Lord. Father, for wherever we feel stuck personally, You don't put shame upon us, Lord. But You're declaring and You're crying out, I have freedom for You. I have life for You. I have endless love for You. Would You just come back to me and find Your place in me? You're a good Father, Lord. You don't look upon where we're lacking and you pour out shame, pour out disappointment, shake your head and this is not your heart, Lord. And Father, we know that you're serious about sin, Lord. We know that you discipline those that you love, but it's because you wanna see breakthrough. It's because you wanna see abundant life in us, Lord. It's because you wanna see us change. You want your church to become a beautiful bride, Lord, that you deserve, God. You wanna see cities and nations changed. It's what you invited us to partner with you on, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, at the end of Matthew 28, Lord, 18 to 20, it says, and I will be with you to the end of the age, Lord. So we thank You that the age has not ended, Lord. So You are with us, Jesus. You will never leave us or forsake us, Lord. Father, we we don't need not be overwhelmed with the size of the task, Lord, because You are much bigger, Lord. You are much bigger, Lord. And we keep our eyes on You, Jesus. We keep our attention on You, Lord. And we have an expectation as we give our yes to You that You will come through with everything that we need, Lord. With everything that we need, Jesus. So Jesus, I give You my yes. I give You my yes, Jesus. I give You my yes, Lord. And because You're so good, I give You my yes before I even know what You've asked me to do, Lord. Because I trust You, God. You're so good. You're unending in Your goodness, Lord, so I can trust You. Before You've given me an instruction, I say, whatever the task, Lord, here I am, send me, God. As a church, we say, here we are, send us, Jesus. Send us into this city, Lord. 
Send us into this region, God. Send us into every place, Lord. Places of darkness that we might bring Your light, Lord. Places of brokenness that we might bring Your healing, Lord. Places of oppression that we might bring Your freedom, Jesus. felt as I was praying during the week, even maybe for some of us here, like there's just a sense that we've been, we've just been living in lack when it comes to our relationship with Him. I just wanna pray over you this morning and lay hands on you if you wanna come forward to see you would receive a fresh infilling, maybe a baptism for the first time in the Holy Spirit. There is a difference between just being just receiving salvation and being baptised in the Holy Spirit. It was something that happened in different ways at different times in the New Testament. But it's the power of God to accomplish what He desires to accomplish. We cannot do it in our own strength. We just cannot do it in our own strength. It'll be futile if we go out with good ideas. We need God ideas, but we need the very presence of God to be in us and flowing through us to see this happen. So I'm just wondering, again, no shame, no disappointment, wherever you're at, if you're like, I need more of God, I need a fresh awakening, I need my heart to come back to life, I need to be filled with the Spirit. Maybe you're hearing about Jesus for the first time, like, I just wanna meet Him. I wonder whether you'd come forward and our team would just love to pray for you, lay hands on you and bless you. It's going to keep praying and ministering to people at the front. It's not too late to come forward. If you've been second guessing, come. We'd love to pray for you. Uh, if not, please uh, join us for morning tea. Connect with someone new. If you're wanting to get connected in, we do have little connect cards that just help us to know who you are. They're on the black boxes on the walls. But bless you, love you, and we'll see you at a Life Hub sometime this week.